And as was mentioned earlier, Wednesday we will be having the the care groups meeting in their respective places and going over the book of Ezekiel from your study guide. So we look forward to that time. Today we want to introduce the book of Ezekiel to you. And um, it is a it is a very interesting book that has um, unique history, has great prophecy that we'll mention after a little bit here. We're, we are actually seeing carried out right before our eyes. Um, incredible things, the relevancy of Scripture, how it applies to us in every area of our life. Ezekiel chapter 2 is where I'll begin reading. Ezekiel, um, the name means God strengthens or God hardens, makes firm. Ezekiel was a man that needed great strength to carry out what God called him to do. I'll, I'll read chapter 2 of Ezekiel if you'll follow along. And he said to me, God said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet and I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. They are impudent and stubborn people, children. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, Though briars and thorns are with you and you dwell among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words or be dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. But you, O son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. Then he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and written on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord, thank you that we have copies of your word that we're able to read. Thank you that you've given your spirit to help us to understand your word, that we aren't dependent on just our own human reasoning. And Lord, I thank you that you have a purpose for your word for each of us here today, that it's not a coincidence that we're here. And so I pray that your purposes would be accomplished in our hearts. Lord, we need your wisdom to hear from you today, and we look to you now in Jesus' name, amen. As we mentioned, Ezekiel means 
God strengthens. And the Lord indeed strengthened Ezekiel as you read through this book. I mean, think of, of you receiving the exhortation, the commission that Ezekiel had. I mean, God says, okay, get up. I'm sending you to this rebellious people. And I didn't count, but you noticed over and over again in this brief chapter, it said over and over again, they are a rebellious people and they won't listen to you. But we're going to them, a rebellious people. And it's almost like it was on repeat here that he's sending them to a rebellious people. And and he said, but I want them to know that a prophet of God was among them. I want them to hear the truth. So Ezekiel is given this mission, and he is with the people that have been taken captive into Babylon. And um, throughout his ministry, we learn that Ezekiel was married. We don't know that they had children. But we learn that his wife died. Um, and uh, not only besides that, during this time, he was called to an unusual ministry. Um, some of the most dramatic object lessons that God gave to people were given through Ezekiel. He was a dramatic and forceful communicator, uh, communicating the message of God using symbolism from, from God coming and saying, I want you from morning to sundown to go lay on your side by the city gates. And he went and laid on his side 390 days. Every, how would you like to, okay, I'm going to work today. What's your job? You may think that sounds good, but to go lay on your side and God, God was using that as a, as a message that he was giving to Israel. You can get in and, and we're not going to take the time to look at it. God said, I want you to cook your food with the, the manure of animals. That's what you're using for firewood. This is a, a message to the children of Israel. This is, to remind them how low they have gone and and the judgment of God. I mean, Ezekiel had, I don't know if unique is the right word, but it's almost strange would be a more accurate word of the ministry that he was given. And yet God had some specific purposes in this. So we want to give you some overview here today. Hopefully it will help you as you go back and read through Ezekiel. But the purpose of Ezekiel, one of the purposes of Ezekiel is to remind Israel of the sin which had brought their judgment and their exile. Without going into great detail, remember there were three different times in their current history, that Babylon came and took people captive from Israel and took them back 
to Babylon. They were exiled from their home country. They could not worship like they had worshipped before. They were in a foreign culture, a foreign language, foreign customs. Everything was foreign to them, and it was the judgment of God. And three different times, nearly 50,000 people were taken captive, all total, and they're in, they're in this bondage. And so, again, similar to Jeremiah, God raised up Ezekiel to say to them, this judgment that has come is a result of your sin. And they spell out the sin. The reason you are in Babylon, in exile, in captivity, is because of forsaking God, going your own way, um, establishing your own gods, and so on. But he had another purpose, and it was to encourage and strengthen their faith by giving prophecies of future restoration and glory. So here they were in bondage, and Albert Muller has said that sometimes God raises us up to stand in the midst of the debris and to explain how we got here or to explain what has happened. So, in essence, that's part of what Ezekiel was doing. This is why we're here. We got in this mess because of, and explained it. But now he also then says to them, but God is going to raise us up and restore us. He's going to bring us back to Jerusalem And he created hope in them by building their faith in the prophecies of future restoration and future glory. Let me just quickly give you a basic structure of Ezekiel. As you read through Ezekiel, you can kind of look at this structure and see, okay, chapters 1 through 3 deal with the call and preparation of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was raised up to be a priest. He was taken into captivity. But you will read, and we read chapter 2, about the call of Ezekiel. But the first three chapters deal with the call and preparation of Ezekiel. Chapters 4 through 24, they are prophecies that we just mentioned announcing God's judgment on Judah culminating with the fall of Jerusalem. It's hard for us to fully comprehend what the fall of Jerusalem means, but that that is their place of worship, that is their identity, that is their home, and even yet today it is of utmost importance. And um, chapters 4 through 24 detailed God's judgment on Jerusalem. Chapters 25 through 32 are prophecies against the foreign nations that opposed Israel. So, in chapter 25, he begins dealing with these foreign nations that opposed Israel and tells us what God is going to do to them. 
And then the last part of the book, chapters 33 through 48, prophecies about the coming restoration of Israel. The prophecies of the coming restoration of Israel. And let me just urge you to give specific attention as you read through this of chapters 38, 37, 38, and 39. They speak of a prophecy that was given by Ezekiel in which a day would come and when a group of nations would march upon Israel from the north. And without going into detail, the prophecy given by Ezekiel centuries ago, the prophecy is of Russia, Iran, and Turkey and their allies that will attack Israel and will come from the north and will be overwhelmingly defeated by God himself. For many centuries, there have been scoffers that said, oh, how will that ever happen? They they aren't even, these nations are in rubble or so on. If you've paid any attention at all to what's going on in the world today, Russia, Iran, and Turkey are very close allies right now. We are living in the times where the pieces of the puzzle of last day's events, and I'm not going to go into all of that um, right at this time, but these pieces are moving into place. This is not a stretch of the imagination. This is not some mystical spiritualizing of things. These pieces are moving into place, and we are we are living in in these days of fulfillment of these prophecies, which personally I believe will take place right at the beginning of the seven years of tribulation. So if you go back, if if we're seeing the shadow of these things that take place at the beginning of the tribulation, we know what takes place before the tribulation, the rapture of the church, right? And so... Um, If we're seeing the shadow, when you see a shadow, you know something's pretty close. And the reality is, this is not, I know as I went through this, some of you, your eyes started glazing over, uh, this is like history, this is like an outline of a book. This is reality, and and I, I encourage you to give yourself to reading the book of Ezekiel, and we'll explain a little bit about the message of Ezekiel, but... It ends with prophecies about Israel. One of the prophecies that this coalition of nations will come from the north. And to me, all this is exciting to see because it means, it means so many things. It means God's word is absolutely true. We know that. But here's another exhibit. You know, when you're in court proving something, exhibit A, exhibit B. This is exhibit double B or triple B. or There's so many exhibits that the word of God is true. But here again, one of the greatest is the nation Israel. 
And the nation Israel is proof that God's word is true, and you keep your eye on Israel, and it will continue. So that's the structure, and it ends with prophecies of restoration of Israel. But a unique message of the book of Ezekiel is the contrast between God and man. We'll we'll go into a little bit more detail. But the term, the Son of Man, is used 100 times in the book of Ezekiel. Another term that is used 60 times is, you will know that I am the Lord God. Ezekiel will come, he'll give a message, and... Ezekiel then will relay the message, and the message is this. I am doing this, God says, that you may know that I am God. You know, God often does things in our life that we may know that he is God. So, he's, he, he uses a term. He comes to, to Ezekiel. He comes to Israel. He says, Son of man. And in so using that, he's emphasizing man's limited capacities in every way. As mankind, we are limited. We live in a world today that mankind thinks if you give us enough time and enough money, and the emphasis is on the money, we can figure out a way to make utopia. We'll get a cure for everything. We'll figure out a way to bring peace to everybody. We can do it. And God, literally, it says in Psalms, he laughs in the heavens at the devices of man. But man is limited in every way, in our strength, in our wisdom, in, in our resources. And, and he's emphasizing this, son of man, reminding we are mankind, we are limited. And then he says, I'm telling you this, that you may know that I am God. There is one God, and it is me, God says. So, he emphasizes this through a number of things, and there is a number of aspects of the message of Ezekiel. Number one is that God works through human messengers. God raised up Ezekiel, another prophet, and and God could have written it in the sky. He could have written it in the sand. But God choose, chooses to use human messengers. Ezekiel was a typical man, bore the burdens of mankind. Um, again, why would God choose to use mankind? But he does. And he uses human messengers. Another aspect of the message of Ezekiel is that God's word never fails. Again, they are in captivity, in exile, and and really, it wasn't like they were prisoners, but they were in a foreign land. And God's message to them was that regardless whether you're in Jerusalem, or whether you're in Babylon, or whether you're in Sheraton, Iowa, God's word never fails. And he's emphasizing this, and he's bringing it out in Ezekiel chapter 36. He gave 
three, a three-tier promise to Israel. He said, number one, I will regather Israel back to Jerusalem. Now, from the time of this prophecy, there came to be where there was no nation of Israel. It was completely obliterated. There was no nation of Israel, but it doesn't matter. God kept his promise. And in 1948, Israel came back into existence. And in 1948, God started regathering people from the children children of Israel that were scattered all over the world. He started regathering them back to Israel, and he still is gathering them back to Israel. He has fulfilled the first aspect of this promise that he gave in Ezekiel chapter 36. There's two other aspects of the promises that he gave, and they have yet to be fulfilled. One is that the children of Israel's hearts would be regenerated spiritually. The the overwhelming majority of, of Jewish people around the world and in Israel today are in unbelief. They're not followers of Jesus Christ. But God will bring that about. That is one of the purposes of the seven-year tribulation period. So, first promise, regather to Israel. He's fulfilled that. Second promise, that he will give them a new heart. They will be regenerated spiritually. There is other applications of that to us that we're not going to go into now that on Wednesday you probably will, okay? The third aspect is that God's kingdom would be established. This will be brought about when Jesus Christ actually comes back to the earth, sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem, and he will establish his kingdom for 1,000 years. So, the message Ezekiel's giving, you may be in bondage, you may think there is no hope, Our nation is scattered. Our nation is no more. But God will bring us back and gather us. God will give us new hearts as a nation and regenerate us spiritually. And God will establish his kingdom. Meaning God's word will never fail no matter where you are or what your situation is. Third thing we learn from Ezekiel is God is present and can be worshipped anywhere. They're in Babylon. They were exhorted to worship God. There isn't a special place where is a more holy place. When when we were in in the in the Holy Land on on our tour, there were people that. Um, almost almost worship Jerusalem. I mean, Jerusalem is a very special place, but it's not to be worshipped. And and when we when we came over the hill and saw Jerusalem, there were people that were uh, I mean they were just enthralled with the, not to, it is a it is quite a sight, but but that Jerusalem and and listen 
As a believer, you have God's Spirit dwelling within you. We walk with God. My dad used to say, um, he, he had somewhat of a desire to go to the, the Holy Land, but it wasn't an overwhelming desire, and he never did go. But he said, I'd lot rather walk with God than walk where God walked. We can worship God wherever we are because the Spirit of God dwells within us. They were in bondage in Babylon, and Ezekiel's telling them to honor God, to worship God. He's also exhorting them that obedience to God eventually brings blessing. That's a message of Ezekiel that you'll find through this. That obedience to God will bring blessing. It may not come immediately. It may not come until eternity. But obedience to God eventually brings blessing. And then one last aspect. We've already alluded to it. But Ezekiel brings out God's kingdom will come. We live in a day today that the spiritual warfare is great. It is established. It looks like evil is prospering, and it looks like evil is winning. But you can rest assured God's kingdom will be established, and God will be the final one standing as champion, as victor, once and for all. And Ezekiel is reminding them, it was dark days. It didn't look like anything good was going to come. And he reminded them, don't worry. God's kingdom will come. So we, we think of some application in our own life. Ezekiel shows us as believers today, there is one God and he alone is to be worshipped. That they may know that I am the Lord. There is one God, and He alone is to be worshipped. What is it you worship in your life? Well, a good answer to that question, or a good way to find the answer to that question, what do I think about? What do I spend my money on? What do I spend my time on? What do I invest in? What do I do with my life? And we may not be cutting out of of wood idols like the children of Israel did and bowing down to them, but we worship something. Every one of us are worshipers. Every human being is a worshiper. We were made to worship, but we were made to worship God. And anything else that we worship will completely fail us. The Lord's my rock, in Him I hide, a shelter in the time of storm. There is one God, and He alone is to be worshipped. Secondly, we learn from Ezekiel, be obedient to God's call on our lives. Ezekiel was given an overwhelming call. And it would have been easy to be like Jonah and say, no way, I am not doing that. What's the purpose of doing this? They're not going to listen. But Ezekiel 
faithfully obeyed the call of God. I, I would have said, this is ridiculous, Lord. Going and providing this example, this illustration, doing this. But Ezekiel obeyed the call of God. Do you know, when you get to the end of your life, you're not going to be compared to what you did with what everybody else did. We're going to be compared, did I obey what God called me to do? And there is no higher calling than whatever God has called you to do. There is no calling that is higher than others. And the reality is, God, what is it you want me to do? Even down to today, what is it you want me to do? And sometimes the call of God is hard. It's difficult. And we react to it and resist it. Ezekiel teaches us to be obedient to God's call. There are many times we're like Moses and say, God, I can't do that. And God responds, who made your mouth? Who makes the seeing and the blind? Who makes the hearing and the deaf? He said, I'm the one that designed you. I'm the one that created you. Now, I'm the one that called you to this. Be obedient to God's call. Number three, we learn from Ezekiel, have a broken heart and bitter grief for the coming or present judgment. Here here Ezekiel is in the judgment, and his heart is broken over it. He sees future judgment and prophesies it, and he's burdened about it. In our land today, we are living in present judgment. The breakdown of the family, the judgment on, on our nation that is coming in. One of God's judgments, he said, when any nation turns away from his ways, that he will raise up foreigners to, ruin over, to rule over you. There is way more to this border crisis than just a matter of political jockeying. We currently are experiencing in many ways the judgment of God on our land. And it ought to burden us and it ought to grieve us. And unless there is a spiritual awakening, there is future judgment that is coming and especially judgment on on the world, the future judgment of the seven-year tribulation period that will make all other judgments on the face of the earth look like a Sunday school picnic. And it ought to burden us to the point that the fourth thing we learn, we warn others and share with them the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. It's not enough. To say, oh man, I am a child of God and the Lord is coming again and soon I may be with him in heaven. Praise the Lord. No, we need to be like Ezekiel. And God says, I raised you up to be a watchman. And I want you to warn them and share with them the good news that Jesus Christ died for my sin. I was the criminal. I did the crime. 
and now I'm ready to be sentenced, and Jesus Christ comes in, and he takes my sentence. He paid my penalty so that if I receive his gift of taking my penalty, death, I then have everlasting life. And we live in a world and we're surrounded by people that may be this close to the the wrath of God coming upon this earth in the seven-year period of judgment. And it is our responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We can't make them. We can't convince them in and of ourselves, but it is our job to plant and water. And here was Ezekiel raised up, and God said, I want you to go and speak this, and at least they will know that there was a prophet. The voice of God was among them. How many people has God brought into your life that have no clue about their own sin, the forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and the promise of his fathering us, as we saw last week. And it's our responsibility. If, if you came up with a cure to cancer, but you said, I, I'm only just going to use this for my family, people would say, you are the most selfish, vile person I've ever seen. But we have been given... This, by the grace of God, not of our own doing, not of ourselves, but God in his mercy opened our eyes to see, I am a sinner. I deserve the judgment of God, but Jesus paid for my sin, and and he's willing to forgive my sin, and not only mine, but everybody's. Well, I gladly receive that. And I, and I want others to know this. That's why he's left us here. That's why he sent Ezekiel to warn and share with them the good news. So we ask today, have you received Jesus Christ so that you know that you are a part of God's coming kingdom? I mean, the future is bright and glorious To a child of God. Do you know you're a child of God? And if you do, who are you sharing that good news with? We understand the great responsibility. But this is the call that God has given us. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we go through the book of Ezekiel... I pray that we would understand the heart of you, that we would understand your call in our life, that we would understand that you alone are God, there is none else beside you, that we would understand the feebleness of we as men. And Lord, I pray that we would understand your call in our life. I pray for any individual that is here today that has never accepted the gift of the work of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today before they leave 
that they would call upon you, that they would mention it to one of us, that we could show them from the Bible how they know they have everlasting life. And then, Lord, I pray for every believer here. May we have a renewed zeal and a renewed burden for the coming judgment, the present judgment, but, Lord, for the judgment of eternity. And may we share the good news of Jesus Christ as we never have before. Lord, thank you for Ezekiel's obedience to your call. Thank you for the message of Ezekiel, and may it have an impact on our life, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.